Good evening. This is Iona Rawls with episode one of Education Reform. More specifically today, I'll be talking about teachers and test scores. So here's the claim. The claim is that teachers determine test scores. Test scores should be used to identify and reward effective teachers and to fire those who are not effective. But the reality is, is that test scores aren't the best way to identify the best teachers. Educators like myself recognize that some children are just more advantaged, have more advantages and a faster start than others. Some even have disabilities that interfere with their learning. Not all children start at the same place and not all children end up in the same place. So test scores are not the best way to determine whether a child is learning or not. So the corporate mythology methodology is every child can learn and there's no excuse for those who don't. They also believe that anyone that says that family life and or poverty are factors that they are making excuses for children who are not learning or for bad teachers. In addition, if a student scores don't improve annually, it is the fault of the teacher and the low expectations that the teacher has on their students. So these same people believe that teachers should be sought out and fired if their test scores don't improve annually. So yes, I do believe there are many ineffective teachers around the country. But test scores should not be the determining factor of their fate for their job. Many students aren't good test takers. Even students get nervous when it's time to take a test. Me personally, I've even seen students get ill and throw up during testing. Not all children are created equal. Not all children's uh, abilities are, are the same. So test scores should not be the determining factor to decide whether a teacher is effective or not. So let's look, let's look at the, uh, the thought process. The person who, one person who was a source in this was a statistical expert of some sort, William Sanders of Tennessee. He began his career as, a, as advising agriculture and manufacturing industries. He claimed that his statistical modeling could determine how much value a teacher added to her students' testing performance. By monitoring students' progress on standardized tests from year to year, he figured he could isolate the value added by the teacher of that child. By comparing prior test scores, uh, he reasoned that the the racial and socioeconomic characteristics of that student became unimportant. Let's look at that a little bit further. How can a child's home life, whether they are impoverished or whether they have parents that are actively involved in their education, not affect a student? For example, when you look at two three-year-olds, a three-year-old that he comes from a household with two parents, a mom that may or may not work, but the mom has time to spend with that child, read to that child, uh, have conversation with that child or converse with that child, 
has time to give them a crayon, expose them to paper, scissors, expose them to alphabet and letter sounds and pre uh, primer reading versus a child or a student whose mom is working two jobs, very rarely ever home, not able to spend much quality time with that child. And when that child does spend time with the mom, it is not to sit down with a crayon. It's, you know, to run errands or just be in the car. The child is more present in the adult's life. That child is not exposed to crayons, letters, names, writing, pre-primer, pre-reading skills at all. Now, both of those three-year-old children start school in pre-K. One child starts school in pre-K with prior knowledge of alphabet, letter sounds, name, colors, numbers. The other child starts school with none of that. How can those two children, if you follow them through the course of their education, it may take a while for them to even get on the same plane if they ever do. If a teacher is doing their job properly, she would take that student who's already exposed to things and not just expose them to the same things, but take them even further while still taking the other child and exposing them to what they need. So now you have two children leaving pre-K. One has learned all of what they need and the other one has learned what they need plus some because they have they came in prepared. Those two children are on the same academic path, the same educational path, but with two different starting points. Does that mean that the ending points will be different? Not necessarily. For me, my personal experience, I have four children, two of which struggle in school, two of which do not struggle were actually advanced. They all four came from the same household. I read to all of them. I taught all of I taught all of them. I gave them alphabet, pencils. They were exposed to all of this. Why is it that two struggle in school? Don't do well with test scores. Struggle with testing. Barely pass classes. One graduated high school already, the other one is in high school, and they both struggled differently. They had different struggles academically, but struggled nonetheless. On the other hand, I have two sons that didn't struggle, considered high potential or so-called not quite gifted because they were never able to pass the gifted test, but they were high potential One has graduated, high potential, took honors courses in high school and finished, went and got his degree, got a master's degree. Easy. Road was easy. Education was easy. Testing was easy. My other son, who is now 13, same thing. High potential, extremely smart. Testing is not a struggle for him. They come from the same household. So should their teachers have been punished or fired because of their own struggle, because they have learning disabilities versus the two that don't have it? That's the question at hand.
Do teachers really determine test scores? I don't think that should be the sole thing that we look at with teachers and test scores. So that's it for tonight on episode one of Education Reform. Thank you for listening and have a good evening.